Hello and welcome to Simple Self-Care by Naturally Randy Kay. This is a podcast dedicated to simplifying the healing journey by aligning your self-care practices with your own inner wisdom and the natural cycles outside and within. Though self-care has become quite the buzzword, it's actually a vital tool that can fit beautifully into your everyday life. Join me as we explore how to create a deep and meaningful relationship with ourself naturally, intentionally, and simply. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Simple Self-Care. Now, I was going to release my episode on autumn rituals this week, but there's been a change of plans with our hearts heavy in the wake of the news of Breonna Taylor's case that was recently announced. I switched up the schedule a little bit to highlight and honor the work of Therese Kator, a leadership coach, healer, and founder of Black Girls Breathe. Now, we recorded a conversation recently that was very powerful and inspiring, and I think it can be really useful right now as we grieve and try to process some difficult things. So I didn't want to wait on sharing it. So I'm giving it to you this week. Now I was introduced to Therese through my nine retreat community and engaged in her Becoming Human series this past summer, which was a very profound experience. And it was such a gift to be on a panel with Therese a few weeks ago as part of a self-care roundtable event through nine. And as you will hear from this conversation, her wisdom on health and healing and self-care and working through trauma and pain is incredible. And it's very approachable and applicable to our world right now. Therese brings over a decade of experience in the wellness industry, as well as her education, experience, and knowledge in nonprofit development, teaching, social justice, business, and the arts. At her core, her work is rooted in love, liberation, and community, and she currently guides Circle of Reclamation, a year-long course and community, among other really powerful pop-up events. And so I'm excited for you to get to know her and to learn from her and just experience some of her magic and wisdom. So please listen and re-listen to this chat with Therese about how to still find joy during hard times and why we need to, how to be an activist without getting burnt out, how to sit with pain, discomfort, grief, and use it all as important information to guide our healing, the difference between connected and disconnected self-care, how our own self-care impacts our community, and we dig into some different forms of healing like somatic work and shadow work, and dealing with spiritual bypassing. And we do nerd out about our favorite autumn self-care practices at the end. So again, take a listen, take notes, learn, and be sure to check out Therese and her work on Instagram and on her website, therezecouture.com. And I'll have links to all of these things in the show notes at naturallyrandyk.com slash podcast. All right. And with that, here's the conversation. Be well and enjoy. All right. Well, welcome to the podcast, Therese. It's very lovely to have you here and thank you for taking the time to chat. Oh, thank you for having me, Randy. It's like so like kismet, you know, that we're able to like figure it all out and put it together so quick. So I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes, we were uh, recently earlier this week on a roundtable discussion together for nine retreat, talking about self-care. So it's perfect. (laughs) And I had already been learning from you um, via Instagram and just kind of, I told, I already confessed to my girl crush, so it's fine. Um, (laughs) But, uh, and so I was like, well, and I was going to ask you a while ago, but then I was like, I'll just wait till we like have a a formal meeting and then, and then see if you want to come on and then you were able to come on so soon. So, um, this conversation must be just meant to be out there. Yay. Um, I'm excited. So so I'd love to begin with, um, you know, just 
for listeners that aren't familiar with you and your work, just kind of your story, what you offer. Um, there's so much and there's so many things we can chat about, but um, maybe just share with where you're currently at, what you're focusing on, and how you got here. Yeah, that's a good, um, what, where you're at, where you're focused on. I know that you, you know, you run your own business and one of the things we learn is like, you have to put it into a nugget. And I was like, how can I fit it all into a nugget? It's impossible. And um, now I just try to not do that because I think it's all part of the bigger um, systemic problems that we face. It's like, everything needs to be packaged. Everything needs to be, you know, shiny. So I'm a person, I'm a human being, we're all human beings. So with that said, um, yeah, the journey to get to here, the work that I do is mainly with women, femmes and women identifying people. And it's all around um, reclamation. And it, the lens that I approach every, all my work is through, anti-oppression, decolonial lens, um, as well as somatically attuned, um, um, trauma-sensitive lens as well. So that looks like coaching, that looks like healing, that looks like um, helping white folks unpack white supremacy. So So there are many different aspects to the work. And the way that I got to it is, just to know a little bit about my background, I was raised in a family of like artists, activists, and also medicine people. Um, so having that as my upbringing, I was always um, very aware, like spirituality as well as um, changing, um, transforming, dismantling systems of oppression. My mom would take me to rallies on the weekends, and we'd be like calling and filling filling envelopes at the time. (laughs) And, um, but I didn't go that route as my career. Like I went to like school for theater and studied like all these different things. But what brought me back to this work was actually when my dad passed away. And that was in 2012 when he passed away. And it was just like, it was sudden. So he wasn't ill or anything. And, it, and at the time I was living in LA, so it kind of like, it was this shock, the shock of my life and it brought me to my knees. And, um, and I had been hearing the message of like, oh, your work, you need to shift out of what you're doing to focus on more of this like heart-centered, soul-centered work. And I was like, no, what I want to do is so easy. It's so fun. Um, but that was the real first thing that happened. My dad, he was a mathematician. He was also um, a healer. Um, And then um, a year and a half later, um, I was um, almost, I almost died along with my partner when the cops pulled us over in LA. So without going into all the specifics, we were profiled by someone who decided to call the police. And um, I, in that moment, I was like, if I make it out alive, I'm going to devote my life to whatever it is that you want me to do. God, whatever it is you want me to do, I'm going to devote my life to that. So it was in a way, a really, really integrating more of the social justice aspect into my work. And that was years before it was popular. (laughs) It's not popular, it's never popular at all, but I feel like it's more in the consciousness. So, um, and it wasn't popular at the time. And so I was talking about a lot of things that weren't popular, but I was like, okay, I need to talk about it because this is, it's right here, it's right in front of us and we're not, Um, able to do it. So it's the shadow work of the times. It is our work of these times. So my whole, my whole, I feel like what centers everything is that I truly believe like each one of us has the power to weave the new world, but we have to like anchor root to our true vision, our true gifts, our true leadership, our voice, you know, what it is that we're here to express. 
um, and honor those things because it starts from like the inside. So many people are like, I'm going to go, you know, change the world and then they get burned out. You know, I, I have certain clients who are activists and they're actually out there right now you know, in the different cities of the United States, helping in different ways with the uprising. And how do you not get burned out when you're doing that work, when you're showing up in that work? I don't think I have all the answers, but it's like being in those questions, which is why I love that you're talking about self-care on this, because we're able to be in those questions of what self-care looks like. Um, and I'm going on another tangent, so I'll stop there. Because <laughs> that's like, I was like, oh, I see. It's like a whole other portal. Um, yeah, I like yeah. portals, though. <laughs> so we can go there. But um, yeah, so many, many things we can go down from that. But I guess what stood out to me, lots of things. But if we could touch on maybe defining what shadow work is, because um, I've heard that term a lot over the years. I've done some of it myself, but it seems to be a very foreign idea to a lot of people, but it seems to be coming up more. So if we could touch on um, shadow work, but then also that um, that somatic approach to dealing with um, how you've dealt with these things that you've gone through um, and how we can use that approach to um, to work on these issues because yeah I love it somatic work I love shadow work so let's yeah. go there shadow work and somatic work um I came upon shadow work years ago um and it was really interesting because part of the journey was like I met this um I had a session with this um I guess she's she would say she's an astrologer I'm not I don't want to she's probably an astrologer but um and she told me, like, one of your life's work is supposed to be do, sh do shadow work. And, um, and I was like, oh, wow. When she said that, all these things clicked because I had seen all these different threads. And I actually went to, you know, study, study it as well um, so I can, like, facilitate. But shadow work is around, um, I think there's many different layers. There's, like, the collective shadow and then there's individual shadows and they're all interwoven, but it's the unconscious part of ourselves, like the things, and it's also the things that we deny about ourselves or dislike about ourselves or that we don't want to be. For example, we live in a, in a world that um, for women especially, it's all about being the good girl, right? Being the good girl. So if we are like, I want to be good, if we have that that, um, that sense within ourselves, I want to be good, I want to be a good person, then we're triggered whenever we do something bad. We're unable to you know, be with shame, we're unable to be with anger, we're unable to be with anything that is anything but good. So shadow work helps us to integrate the parts of ourselves, whether it's through socialization or um, through you know, a, a traumatic event that happened to us, it helps us to integrate those parts. It's not so much like, oh, now I'm a bad person. It's not, so, it's not about that. It's around integrating all those parts so that we can show up. Because sometimes, you know, hey, you might not need to be nice. Like you have to stand up for yourself in certain cases. Like growing up in New York City, I've had to like, be like, stop right now. You know, just really being able to like take up space. But if you're socialized as I have to be the good girl, it's really hard to do that. It's impossible. You can really freeze. Um, so that's just a, a brief definition of shadow work. It's the unconscious parts of ourselves, the parts that we deny, the parts that we judge about ourselves and about others. That's another. So it's not only us, but about ourselves or about others. Um, and somatic, um, a somatically attuned approach is being body-based. Um, so for the past uh, three years, I've been mentored um, in somatic work. 
Uh, and it's really around being very attuned, tracking your body, tracking whether your clients' bodies, and using the body as a map to healing, because that is our that's our map to heal. And when we become aware of like what's going on in our bodies, and we're also able to be with the full spectrum of what our bodies are saying to us or um, in the moment, we're able to transform that because usually what we do is like, okay, let's say, you know, we think of something or something comes up that we, that was a really hard or traumatic experience for us, for, for us, we move back. We like, okay, I don't want to go there. And sometimes we don't, <laughs> we shouldn't go there by ourselves, but somatic work allows us to like dip our toe in there and then come back out, dip our toe in there and then come back out. And we do use that body-based approach so that we're able to actually expand our resilience. So I think um, somatic, being somatically attuned allows us to expand our resilience so that we can actually show up and do the work that we want to do in the world. I love that you use the word integrate with shadow work. I've, I haven't actually heard that, that I'm aware of when it comes to that. Of, it's, it's always been like, I'm going to acknowledge this part of myself. I'm going to say hello to it, do some whatever healing around it. And then I'm gonna go back to my safe space. You know? yeah. And I love that it's like going there and then integrating it into who we are and same with that um, somatic approach of leaning into what our bodies are telling us leaning into the pain signals we talk about that a lot um, on the podcast within my community because that's my background as a body worker and it's just like going to that important information that's located in these nooks and crannies of who we are but then accepting it and taking it in to become a part of ourself in the light and that's just so much more resilient like you were saying and just um I think really beautiful but why do you think it's so hard for us to do that I mean you mentioned the good girl thing which is totally true especially for me growing up a midwesterner mm. <laughs> and living in the upper midwest where you just don't want to ruffle any feathers you know mm -hmm. people say sorry for just like existing I don't know <laughs> it's so ridiculous mm -hmm. um but yeah how can why do you think it's become such a big problem and why we're afraid of those parts of ourselves well I think I always like looking at things um from many different angles and sometimes I go like historically so historically if I don't know um we're both in what is called the United States a turtle island I've been um Monopoly territory right now, known as New Jersey. And historically, um, what has happened is everything gets swept under the rug. Everything actually gets hidden. You know, this land is stolen land, right? People were brought here, Black people were brought here and were enslaved, made for profit. So everything is built from actually um, lies. And in a way, what we're seeing now is so much, it's like a reckoning of all the things that have been tried to stuff into the perpetual closet. Like this, it's like the biggest closet ever. <laughs> it's more like a graveyard. Um, and now it's, it's coming to the surface. So um, yeah. I feel like I lost my train of thought with the, the question. So if you remind me what the question is. <laughs> well, I really like going with this. It was about why it's so hard for us to yes. lean into yes. parts of ourselves. Yeah. So the thing is, so if we're in a, in a culture where we are in a culture that puts everything in a closet, buries everything, we don't want to look at anything. We only want it to be shiny and, and nice and good then we're unable to be with all the parts of ourselves that are not shiny, that are not, you know, perfect and that are not good. So that's like, his, that's, that's the culture. And that culture 
it it goes down the line to like the families that we live under. Obviously, it the families that we're born into, and obviously it looks very different for different people, but there are threads of that. And we also, I know one of the things that you do is seasonal work, but we can say that as a, a society, we're in a perpetual summer, right? It's like the summer is the child. So it's like all of these children who have never grown up. Mm. So if we're unable to grow up, part of growing up is being able to look at the hard things. Um, I love this quote, I can do the hard things. I don't know who is the person who said it, but I can do the hard things. Part of becoming an adult um, and moving out of like the perpetual summer is being able to do the hard things. And we see it in many different ways. Like our society is very youth obsessed. Like if you're not young, um, then you're not worthy, right? You're, you're not beautiful. You have to be thin. You have to, you know, there's all of these qualifications that a lot of it fall under like almost like a perpetual summer. So you're not allowed to get older. And that's even, I know, trickle down to even male and people who've been socialized as male. Um, you see that more and more of them, you know, are trying to look younger or stay young because that's the kind of society that we live in. Live in. Yeah, I guess I've never thought of it that way. Um, but it's, I've been really appreciating the history lessons that have been coming to the surface. Um, I've never been a big history buff in general, but um, the I think that's probably been my one of my biggest takeaways from the education that I've been doing um, of just how we got here with these problems with race, with even um, women empowerment, all of these things. It's just, it is tough. It is tough to go back to that. And, but it's just so important to, um, to learn and to, to have an understanding so we can have an understanding of who we are. And I think that's been really beneficial in my own healing work of, you know, learning about my ancestors and not happy with the decisions that they've made or, um, you know, having more of an understanding of my friends of color and what they are carrying within their bodies. Um, we can just relate on a, a much different level and a more real level. And what would your advice be on that transition from the shadow work, going to the depths of it, and then bringing it into the integrated part, because that that's where I get blocked. Um, but I think that's such that's such a, an important piece of being able to um, feel what you need to feel and go where you need to go. But then transforming that into healing and into a different way of operating in the world. If that makes sense. Yeah, that I'm, I'm, what I'm hearing is like the integration journey. Yeah. And I would say it's like giving yourself space because part of, you know, the culture that we live in is everything has to be fast, fast food, fast cars, everything is quick. When in actuality, you know, obviously their, their time is a construct. And at the same time, there's seasonal, it's seasonal. Like we look at the seasons, no matter where you live in the world, there are seasons, right? It's not necessarily in the way that I experience it, for example, here on the East Coast of, you know, autumn, winter, spring and summer, but there are seasons everywhere. And it's an honoring of each of those seasons. So in terms of integrating the shadow, it's around a big part is integrating the gifts. So being able to see what is the gift of that shadow. And sometimes it's, you know, it, it's, it's a shadow gift. <laughs> it's not necessarily like, oh, rainbows and unicorns, but 
<laughs> it's not necessarily that all the time, mm-hmm. but it's um, recognizing what is that gift. And it's not something like I can be like, oh yeah, you have the shadow. Okay, this is your gift. It's something that, you know, what I use like often with clients is like either uh, trans work or journey work. And through that, they're able to uh, recognize what that gift is. And then, and then from there, um, there typically is something that they have to do to integrate it into this world, into like this realm. Um, so it's not just intellectually being like, oh no, I know now what the gift is. It's also the, being able to integrate it. We live on this planet and it usually requires some kind of physical um, uh, embodiment, some form of embodiment of it. So, and then it's walking every single day with whatever it is. So um, I'm trying to think of an example of something personally. Um, And I feel like I'm always working on this actually. So I'll just say this example, it's like uh, reclaiming my voice. It's like been a lifelong journey and I, and I feel like it's always going to be a journey and I'll just reach a different space of that journey. And um, I remember growing up, like I spent years not talking in school. So I, I didn't talk in school and until I was like actually forced to, um, when they told my mom, oh, you're going to have to go in, like I would have to go into um, special education uh, because if I didn't speak, so I was like, oh gosh, you know, I have to like now say something, but, um, like, so there are shadows around that, like, oh, I can't take up space, you know, I can't, my voice shouldn't be expressed, so that can be, that's like one of the shadows, um, and working with the, that shadow of like, okay, not being able, okay, I can't take up space. What's underneath that? What's what's underneath that? What's beneath that? And really mining for the gifts. And it's really been a lifelong journey. So I think like people also often think like, oh, I'm done, move on to the next. And yes, you do reach points. <laughs> like, you know, where I was years, many years ago is not where I am now. However, um, it's something that I'm always conscious of. So I hope that answers your question. If not, let me know totally. And I'm happy to (laughs) elaborate. Yeah, no, I think that's a really beautiful process of noticing the gift and um, just simply asking that question. And I think um, right now in the world with a lot of the clients that I'm working with, Um, and even just friends I'm talking to all over the world that are quarantined and isolated in their different ways. It's like, this stuff is coming to the surface. It's just like, not, you're not even trying, but it is because there's a breath happening. You know, people are with themselves and don't have their usual distractors. And then I think the world we live in right now is also very triggering. And so it's the issues that are coming up are, are triggering some of these deep rooted things and, and people don't know what to do with it. It's just like, what is this? Why, why, (laughs) you know, and it's creating a lot of anxiety, a lot of confusion, a lot of chaos, a lot of misguided angst towards others, especially on like social media comments where you it's safe for you to be a complete jerk you know and it's just like Mm -hmm. it's just coming out in crazy ways and um so I think this is a really powerful tool that for those that are feeling things are coming up and it's and you don't have that training or awareness or um that structure around it is just saying, where is the gift in this? Like, what is the gift in this work that's coming up to give purpose to it and to give guidance to what to do next. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And it has to not come from this intellectual place. It has to really come from an embodied place. So part of it is really being able to, I say, I would say the first thing is being able to sit with it, mm. to be able to sit with that discomfort of whatever it is, you know, that's coming up. Um, I know so many people in the past six months or so, more than six months, it's come up like, I'm not doing what I really want to do with my life. Like, what the heck? Like, I'm, I, I'm empty. Like, what was I doing before? Mm. So it's easy to be like, well, oh, okay, let's move on. Let's find a gift in that. But I would invite people, anyone listening, to sit with that first. Mm-hmm sit with that discomfort because the reaction is to like, I want to move away from this as fast as possible. But when you move away, away from it too fast, you miss, you miss the gift. Right. Mm, Yes. So what does sitting with it look like? For me, I'm sitting with it is literally sitting down and being with the discomfort, like sitting still Mm -hmm. and being with that discomfort. And like, this is an acknowledging, this is what I'm feeling right now and seeing where, what's coming up, what's activated within my body. So what's activated, what's, what's going on? Like, what am I feeling? Is it like my stomach is tight? Is it that my shoulders are tight? And just noticing that, even something as simple as sitting and noticing, you don't have to meditate, just noticing what's going on in your body. How is this making you feel? Um, also journaling, um, journaling around what's coming up, like how you truly feel. And a lot of times for me, I'll start journaling and then something else that I wasn't even thinking about arises from that journaling. It's like, I, it's it's a great way to mine to go a little bit deeper um and see what's what's underneath but those are two two ways yeah i'm a big fan of journaling and i know a lot of people are like oh i hate journaling yeah just just use it as a one and done things you know you don't have to be a journaler um to to take advantage of journaling every once in a while, um, just writing it out to hear from yourself. Um, and I also know that the practice of just sitting with yourself and tuning into what you're feeling in your body can be a lifelong practice, especially if people have been through a lot of trauma in their bodies. You're, it's, a, it's become a protective mechanism not to be able to tune in to your body. And so, um, you know, a lot of why I call this podcast, simple self-care and teach simplicity is because simple doesn't mean easy. And the simple act of acknowledging where you're feeling something in your body can be the work that you do. It doesn't have to be this, uh, you know, elaborate meditation, yoga, journaling, hoopla, you know, like, if you, if you go to those deeper layers or those practices, that's awesome. But, you know, just practicing feeling safe, connecting with your discomfort, um, connecting with your anxiety. My journey has been connecting with my depression in a safe way. Um, and yeah, that can be, that can be the work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, just really the work is around safety mm-hmm. because there's so much, so many things that happen to many of us that tell us we're not safe, we don't belong. And when we can cultivate that, that felt sense of safety for ourselves and be rooted in that, that's, that really is the work. Mm-hmm. That's the work that we're invited to over and over again. Well, and you think about almost everything that we consume in the media is fear-based and not having enough. <laughs> and it's like people wonder why it's so hard for them to calm 
the stress response and to feel safe in the body or to feel like they can trust themselves it's because no one's helping them do that like everything is counteracting that and so I feel like that's one of the biggest forms of activism and empowerment you can do is cultivating that safety within that's not dependent on any external source yeah because ultimately the media is looking to sell something mm-hmm. right it's not it's not just it's like they're looking to sell something and you know and i want to i know selling to me is not a bad thing because we if we take it out of i'm talking about with capitalism it's not that's not about that's not about that's power over there's always been different forms of exchange throughout millennia. Exchange is part of it. Capitalism is something that's completely different from, from exchange. And um, so it's all about making people feel defective um, and so that others can get rich, right? The 1%. Mm-hmm. So, Along the lines of feeling safe within, um, I do want to touch on feeling our emotions. And this kind of goes right into what we've already been talking about. Um, But I talk a lot about being a highly sensitive person and I am a very emotional person and I've come to really love that about myself. It's taken me a bit. (laughs) It's something that I still have to be like, no, Randy, this is your gift. (laughs) Like, you know, harnessing my powers for good, I guess. Um, But I know that you write about emotions and having a healthy relationship with that. So could you touch more on um, becoming friends with our emotions and your, your approach to that? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is that we love the joy, the happy, although the good, right? The quote unquote good emotions. Um, And we're unable to be with, the emotions we're unable to be with are grief, shame, fear, anything that is technically labeled as bad. So I feel that the main crux of that is recognizing that all of our emotions are simply information. Our emotions are pointing us, orienting us towards wholeness. That's that's what it is. There and wholeness. In order to to step into wholeness, it's integration. So all of our emotions are orienting us towards wholeness. So if we just even that changing that point of view on emotions can make us like okay. I can, I can hold this a little bit longer because it's not because I'm, you know, trying to wreck my life, (laughs) Um, but it's pointing us towards wholeness. So again, our emotions hold that information for us. And that information could be, for example, could be you're taking on too much right now in your life. Like anxiety, for example, let's say you're feeling anxious, it can really be you're taking on too much. And that's it. However, your upbringing, um, all the, your shadows, your beliefs, all of those things, societal pressures, our culture can tell you, you have to do this. You have, if you don't do this, you're not going to be successful. So you have all these other things that are like competing with one another. But what that emotion is pointing you towards is, is your wholeness, is your healing, is what's good for you. Because what's good for someone else, you know, a schedule that's good for someone else might not be good for you. It's too overwhelming. And yet you have, you might hold the belief that I can't not say no i can't you know let go of this project so yeah so i think that it's it's recognizing 
what, what, what's the emotion trying to tell you? And are you able to honor that? Are you willing to honor that? Or are you honoring something else? I've heard the emotion grief coming up a lot lately um, that people just seem to be feeling it without really knowing why. Um, and there's a lot of grief with, you know, the future that we were all expecting for 2020, like letting go of events and celebrations and connecting and just our world changing so much. Um, and what's going on with people that we care about in our culture. So do you have thoughts about grief, how we can process that, what it's about right now? Yeah, I, I like actually talking about grief. It doesn't feel good. I'm not gonna say like, I'm not gonna say like, oh yeah, I love, no, of course not. I don't wanna be in grief, but we are in the time of grief and it's, and it's sad. Um, it's really interesting. Before all this happened, I remember um, every fall, autumn, I spend some time just being with, okay, what, what wants to emerge for the following year? Like, what is it I'm supposed to create? And, and I remember being in that space and hearing nothing, like seeing, I didn't see anything. And I was like, oh, what's going on with 2020? And so I was talking to a couple of, of my friends who are like really intuitive and they're like, yeah, I don't know. Something's coming in 2020. They're all saying that. And then at the beginning of, so I was like, okay, then I'm just going to wing it. We'll see what happens. So at the beginning of 2020, um, I got a really clear message to start holding grief circles so my first grief circle that I did, I think I did one in January, I did one in February, like I was doing grief circles and it seemed like it didn't make sense. But when everything started happening in March, of course it started making sense and then it progressed. So with grief, it's normal. It's, it's normal. We like, we have been in a perpetual, like we, I was saying earlier, a perpetual summer and a perpetual summer is also being in the space of like, think of like a clown who has a smile on their face, but behind they're frowning. So being in that space of a perpetual summer is not recognizing the grief that's always been there because people have been living under systems of oppression. It's been there. So it's, it's so much, it's more so everyone has been looking away and looking towards the shiny object. But if you just turn your head the other direction, you'd see, wow, there's a lot of pain. So it's all the uncried tears, right? Collectively and individually, we're like, it's like forcing us to be with it, forcing us to mourn. Um, I just think here as a nation, we still haven't had a, a collective mourning of all the lives that have been lost from COVID. Like how do you move on when you don't mourn? Like you have to mourn this, like in order to create something new, you have to mourn this. We have to grieve, be able to be with that grief. And that's just the, the part that we're in right now. And it's hard, yet it's not forever. You know, we can start feeling like, oh my God, it's, it's forever, but it's not forever. And we can also orient towards the joys that we have right now. Like, for example, when, before we hit record, I was talking to you about my son, but that's like, that's my bucket of joy. Like, I mean, he just beams joy. So orienting towards something that brings us joy. Um, it can be your walk, you know, going out in nature. It can be um, looking at a flower, really noticing that flower, finding moments of, if it's not joy, but peace, love, whatever that feeling or emotion is within 
everything that we're going through right now because you do have to find that respite. It's really important to find that respite, but yet at the same time, we are in a, in a period where we're being asked to look at grief and um, part of growing up is that if we're not able to do this, if we don't do this, we're unable to grow up. We're going to do, we're going to repeat the same lesson until, you know, I'm sure you've heard that phrase, like until you get that lesson, get the lesson, repeat the lesson. Mm -hmm. And we, in many ways, we've been repeating the lesson, many lessons over and over again. And it's like, okay, are we going to get it now? Like we're, in a standstill in many ways, like everything business has slowed down, people aren't traveling as much. And um, it's really interesting because in the past six months you hear that, like I've heard stories of, you know, um, certain species that haven't been seen for like decades are now being seen and you're actually able to see um, um, parts of the earth because it was covered in all this smog from satellites. Like there's, are we going to take all of those lessons of like, instead of being forced to slow down, are we going to naturally incorporate that into our lives? And grief is also, um, it's also slowing down. It forces us to slow, it forces us to stop and to slow down. And a lot of people, if you, bypass that that's when you get into some trouble <laughs> mm, yes oh gosh I want to talk about spiritual bypassing also <laughs> important thing um so maybe we can touch on that real quick um yeah. because I think that's a really powerful um thing to bring into your consciousness as we process this stuff but I just want to add that um you know I like that you mentioned the joy aspect because it's almost like people feel like they're not allowed to feel joy when hard things are happening and that it's like impossible for the two to exist together. Um, but like you said, they have to, to be able to, to process and move forward. Like the, it's why we grieve so we can feel joy. So if we're not allowing ourselves to find the joy, then the grieving is for the grieving poor also so yeah um so spiritual bypassing let's just touch on that a second <laughs> can you maybe define that and and share with how this um incorporates into everything we've been talking about because it is definitely a part of it yeah I just to me I I like to keep things simple <laughs> but to me, it's, it's an inability. Spiritual bypassing occurs because of an inability to be with your own emotions. Mm. That's, that's pretty much it. So if, if someone is unable to be with their own emotions, anything that is outside of the realm of love and light and joy is going to trigger their foundation. So if you don't learn if a person doesn't learn they have the capacity to hold it all to hold the paradoxes right that's what you know i was just talking about the paradox is that yes there we're in a period that there's a lot of grief there's a lot of death there's so much going on and yet at the same time orient you can orient towards joy and find moments of joy those moments of joy allow us to continue doing the work, continue showing up. Like that's actually what also builds our resilience and our embodied capacity to, to hold it all. So we're being asked to like expand and hold it all. So spiritual bypassing is an inability to hold it. It's a, it's a lack of capacity. It's a lack of resilience. And it's actually a lack of trust that we can, we actually have the capacity to be with these paradoxes. We have the capacity to be with someone's um, pain 
and also to see that there's beauty at the same time, you know, in the world. So that's really why spiritual bypassing occurs. And it's also, it also occurs with, um, obviously it's the same thing. It's like an inability to look at the past too. Right, look at the past to look at, okay, how did we get here? And if a person has a lot of, and this could be the case, you know, a lot of trauma and resistance to it, that can really be the trauma. The trauma shows up as spiritual bypassing. So that doesn't take away um, the harm, right? That can happen or that often does happen from spiritual bypassing. That doesn't, you know, take away the responsibility of the harm. But spiritual bypassing, it just occurs because an inability to, to hold it, the lack of capacity, lack of resilience. And it's not um, in and in, in of, of itself, in and of itself, it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad, like, oh, you're a bad person. <laughs> However, we're being asked to expand our capacity and um, spiritual bypassing, when you are able to transform that, it becomes spiritual resilience. Mm. It becomes spiritual transformation. That's the gift. Like when you really can, you know, be with, okay, transform spiritual bypassing, it becomes resilience. It becomes the ability to create something new, to weave the new world. That's, that's the ability that it gives us, but got to let go of the, the habit to bypass. So can you share more what bypassing can look like? Cause I, I know it happens a lot in the wellness industry where we think we think we're doing the work, but we're actually just covering it up. <laughs> yeah. I think in the wellness industry, it looks like, um, anything that is not love and light is looked as you're being low vibe. That's one example. If you're, you're being low vibe right now, you're talking about systems of, of oppression, you're being low vibe. <laughs> like that's what I hear. Or um, another way it shows up is you manifested that. Mm -hmm. Like if you manifested like all these terrible things that happened to you, like the law of attraction and to me, that's, there's, there's, oh my gosh, I can go down a, another um, portal. That's another portal, but it's, and really that's deeply harmful. That's really, really harmful. And uh, a lot of times what, what ends up happening is that spiritual bypassing ends up being tools to hold up systemic oppression. Mm -hmm. It's another tool to hold up systemic oppression and not look at the truth of it. No, that person didn't, you know, let's say someone got assaulted. No, they didn't create that. They didn't manifest that. That's a result of misogyny, right? Why don't we work on that? Like focus on that. That person didn't create discrimination that's a result of racist systems why not roll up your sleeves and work on that mm -hmm. so spiritual bypassing also prevents people from actually doing the work you think you're doing the work but you're actually not doing anything you're you become a tool of the systems of oppression so you're getting used I think a lot of um, when people t use self-care in that regard as well, and a lot of um, products and messaging out there is taking on that term to help promote these negative behaviors. And it's not really healing work. It's another way of being like, oh, well, self-care, I'm going to ignore blah, 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 <laughs> you know, or you know, go into debt because self-care, you know, things like that. And it's, um, it's so much so I almost changed the name of this podcast because I didn't know if I wanted to be associated with that <laughs> word, but then I kept it because I kind of want to take it back 
and let yeah reclaim it yeah and just let it be like no this is very important and it means something else so along those lines um I love what you shared about what self-care means for you um at our round table and your approach so could we close our conversation with that of um how you define self-care and what it looks for you looks like for you um as you process as you do shadow work as you do trauma work um the role that it plays in this powerful integration that we are undertaking yeah thank you for that question um and i don't know what i said during the round table but what i will say now for mm -hmm. me is that self-care you can't have self-care without community care mm. can't it does it self-care is community care so if it's all around okay just myself like it's all about me once again we go back to the shadow that we're trying to rise from that we're trying to you know integrate um so self-care also involves community care and at the same time, the way that we take care of ourselves allows us to show up in community to, to create solutions for all of us, solutions that work for the whole. So to me, I just think that really bringing that into our hearts of like, well, what is, how is my self-care going to impact you don't even have to think about the world, my community. And you can start with like my household, right? My household. And if you live alone, okay, my neighbors, my community, just my little community right here. How will showing up and taking care, deep care of myself impact that? And then go from there because it's not, like you said, it's not about the products and having a gazillion products and still feeling empty. That's, you know, all the products, that's part of the capitalistic machine to just buy more and you're trying to fix yourself. So it's not fixing, self-care is actually about deep nourishment. And when you ask yourself the question, what nourishment, that's one of the questions I ask myself is what nourishment do I need? That will let you know what, what care you need. So, you know, the other day I asked that and I needed a bath, like really just allowing myself, okay, just to be in the bath and taking just a nice bath. I didn't have any fancy products. I actually had this, these little sachets that I made um, with like, um, with uh, dried, dried flowers and put some essential oils and that was really the bath. But it's really simple. It can be a walk. It can be taking an hour or 30 minutes to read a book. It's really not going, it's always going to orient towards deeper connection to ourselves, deeper connection to nature, deeper connection to one another. And if, someone's self-care orients towards disconnection, then it's not about self-care. It's, it's about something else. There's something else going on. It's not self-care. Mm -hmm. I love that. <laughs> and I think that helps with a lot of people. They're one, like the number one objection to self-care is they feel guilty or they think it's selfish and it's just like not when you phrase it that way it's like the the way to nourish your community and and turn it into real change in our culture i think that's beautiful yeah it's a it's the foundation it's like, I, I always love thinking of things like um, from the gardening or farming perspective, because my, it's, my mom grew up farming and um, just planting that seed, 
nourishing that seed. So if you imagine yourself as that a seed, if you just, yeah, sometimes you can just let it go, but often you have to, you know, you have to water it. You have to do certain things. There's, it's a balance. Well, I also like to have fun with this question a little bit. And as we go into the autumn season, when this will be airing, what do you like to do to deeply nourish yourself um, this time of year? What does that look like for you? Just getting cozy. I love autumn. My birthday's in autumn, but um, I autumn is self-care. I feel like autumn, as soon as September comes, I'm like, oh, it's self-care season. <laughs> it totally it, so it's really that time to, you know, we just came out of summer and the, the high energy of summer, it's slowing down, it's reaping your harvest, and it's also preparing for winter. And that preparation to me is, is slowing down, slowing down, um, ending work a little bit earlier. Uh, if it's cold, if it gets, you know, cold enough, having time by the fire gathering, I know that can be hard now with everything for everyone, but gathering in a safe way um, is, is really beautiful for the fall. I love just, you know, just that intimacy, if you're able to gather in a social distance way with not too many people, that's really, that's really lovely. I think I always feel pulled towards that kind of nourishment um, and eating. I have to say like what I eat changes, I eat seasonally. So once the fall comes, it's more around like soups. I can't wait for my um, butternut squash. <laughs> I love butternut yeah. squash. Mm -hmm. You know, just butternut squash soups and just um, things that are warm, mm -hmm. taking things that are warm. So really noticing the seasons, like, yeah. So that's that's a nourishment I like when it's um, autumn. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Well, how can people continue to work with you? I know you did, and this is what how I first was introduced to you, your Becoming Human series on Instagram, which is really powerful for us white folks to learn a lot and go to those shadows in a loving and empowering way. Um, so is that still available on Instagram or are you gonna be doing a different reiteration of that? Um, and then also talk about your, you have a yearly program. That's how people can <laughs> hang with you all the ways. Yeah, thank you, Randy. Um, so yes, Becoming Human, it's not available on Instagram, but there's going to be an, oh, a different way that um, it's going to come out. But the best way to stay in touch is my website, therezcouture.com. And uh, once you, if you enter your name and email, you'll receive like a meditation to show up. I think it's <laughs> take up space, actually. Show up and take up space. Um, and also I'm doing, actually in the, in the autumn, I'm doing a free workshop called Get Free. And that is, you can find that at getfree.world. So getfree.world. And I have... Um, a yearly program called Circle of Reclamation, where we go into those hard emotions such as grief, shame, anger, uh, and also beautiful things. Like actually this month we're exploring, this month in September, we're exploring boundaries. And then in October we're exploring roots and in November we're exploring radiance. So there are all these different themes that we explore on a monthly basis. and the year gives us like this luxurious time to really dive deep and it's a beautiful community. Um, but if you, you'll find everything on my website, therezcouture.com and I'm on Instagram at therezcouture. That's where I hang out. Awesome. Well, I'll put links to all of this in the show notes and yeah. Oh, and you also have another um, gr uh, organization. Yes, Black Girls Breathe. Yes. Yeah, so um, we hosted a Global Healing Day, actually in the beginning of this year, 2020, um, for 
uh, black women, indigenous women, women of color all over the world. And um, so we're going to have our next Global Healing Day in 2021. And there are also some events that we're working on, but um, yeah, so if anyone who is, who identifies, please go to blackgirlsbreed.com. Beautiful. All right, well, thank you again for taking the time to come on and uh, this wonderful conversation. I cannot wait to share it with people. And um, please check out Therese's work, whatever way you can. <laughs> it's wonderful. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you, Randy, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. I'm your host, Randy Kay a holistic health practitioner and educator that has been helping people heal through bodywork, therapeutic yoga, and self-care coaching for over a decade. My mission is to help people simplify the healing journey by amplifying their own inner wisdom and teaching seasonal self-care practices. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to share it with a friend, leave a review on iTunes, or post it on social media. And if you do that, please tag me so I can see it and connect with you that way at Naturally Randy K. You can also commune with me via email if you sign up for my weekly-ish newsletter, The Simple Letters. You can sign up at naturallyrandyk.com slash newsletter. That's naturally, R-A-N-D-I-K-A-Y dot com slash newsletter. And hearing from you in some way totally makes my life and I always make sure to personally respond. And be sure to join me next time as the self-care conversation continues. Until we meet again, take good care and enjoy the journey.